things to come together so that the Christ child would be born in Bethlehem, that city of David, where the great king, King Jesus, would be born as prophesied in Micah chapter 5. And indeed it came to pass, it came to pass according to the scriptures that Jesus was born in the city of David and he is the heir of David's throne. The heir of David's throne. He is David's son, offspring, and yet he is David's Lord. He is David's Lord. This evening, we're looking at verses 21 to 38, where now we hear a narrative where this firstborn child that was born in Bethlehem will now undergo that which the law of Moses requires. Because we have to remember that Jesus was born under the law of Moses. And in order for him to be a perfect mediator, a perfect prophet, priest, and king, he had to be born under the law and be righteous in all things. So that all things under the law would be fulfilled in one God-man, the Lord Jesus Christ. This evening's sermon title is the firstborn son. We can put the firstborn son of Mary. Because we're emphasizing here his humanity. The firstborn son of Mary is presented to the Lord in the temple. And this is very significant. Because Jesus is the true Jew. Think about what I'm saying here. He is the true Israelite. And as the true Israelite, he is presented to the Lord. The firstborn son is presented to the Lord, consecrated to the Lord for messianic service. And it begins when he's a child. I want to look first of this firstborn son presented to the Lord and his circumcision and naming. The circumcision and naming of the firstborn son. This is important. This is important. Verse 22, and when the time came for their purification, whose purification? Definitely Mary's purification, because we'll look into that. And as we'll look into it even further, is probably referring to Joseph and Mary. When the time came, or it came to pass for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him, the child, up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. They were to present him to the Lord. After eight days, we know in the Old Testament that the child is to be circumcised. And at that time of circumcision, the name is also given to the son. For example, it would be like Christian parents today waiting to name their child on the day of their child's baptism. And I ask the parents as I'm baptizing the child, what do you want to call your baby? Well, back then... They named the child at the time of circumcision. 
And we saw this was the case with Zechariah and Elizabeth. You remember when Zechariah couldn't speak? And they circumcised John the Baptist. And they asked him, what do you want his name to be? Surely he should be called his father's name. And they gave a tablet to Zechariah and he wrote John. That was custom. That was what they did. And because Joseph and Mary were devout believers in God, they obediently brought the child for circumcision and named him Jesus. Named him Jesus. Circumcision. The sign and seal of God's grace in the Old Covenant. God gave this sign and seal to Abraham. You will be a father of many nations. I, will pr- I promise you to make you great. And all the families of the earth will be blessed through your offspring. And as we learn in Galatians, that offspring is Christ. Circumcision was a sign and seal as that is by faith. Abraham believed in God and it was accredited to him as righteousness. And because of his faith, God counted him righteous. And God said, I'm giving you a sign and seal of that righteousness, circumcision. And you shall place this sign and seal, this visible sign and seal, upon the male children of Israel, which will set them apart from the nations. And they will be part of my covenant community. It will be a sign of the righteousness that comes by faith. This circumcision also, friends, it also meant the cutting away of sin then. The cutting away of sin because in circumcision there was a shedding of blood. But there's a question here. Why would Jesus receive this sign and seal? Why should he receive it when he is the Holy One, the Son of God? Why should he receive circumcision when he is perfect and without sin? Well, Jesus came to fulfill all righteousness, including here in the circumcision of this child and the naming of this child. Mary and Joseph were being obedient to the, to the law of the Lord. And Jesus will show himself to be the true Jew, the true Israelite. And through the circumcision of his body on the cross, which points to the circumcision in the flesh, we become the righteousness of God. But the emphasis here isn't so much on circumcision. It's important. He had to undergo circumcision to be the true Israelite, the true Jew, the firstborn son who represents God's people. 
because we need a mediator, we need a representative, we need a substitute, and Jesus is that substitute. The emphasis is on the name. It's on the name. And we see that in our passage. Verse 21. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. You remember the angel told Mary what his name should be. Well, an angel also told Joseph, you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. The emphasis is on the name. Boys and girls, in the Bible, names are important. When God gives someone a name, he is going to do that particular work that that name means. For example, Jesus means the Lord saves, or the Lord is salvation, or as we shorten it up, Savior. And, and Jesus will do exactly that. He saves. And so the emphasis here is, yes, Jesus being born in the other law and therefore undergoing circumcision, but even more than that, he will be called Savior. Because in his cross... In the circumcision of his flesh, his body, he will save many. He will save many. Next, in verses 22, after he was circumcised and named, we read at verse 22, And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, here we have the consecration of the firstborn. The consecration of the firstborn. Again, being devout worshipers of God and obeying God's law, they went to the temple to have their firstborn son presented to the Lord. Think of Hannah presenting her son Samuel to the Lord. Samuel being a type of Christ. Christ who would be presented to the Lord, consecrated to the Lord as the firstborn son. Now, it's important when we read a passage like this that we understand or have some kind of working knowledge or understanding of the law of the Lord. And if you've read the, the booklet here, the note that I've written for you all in this uh, Bible reading plan, one of the things I mention or encourage you to do when you're reading through the Bible is to get a Bible that has cross-references. Cross-references in your Bible are so important. And they're so helpful. Because when you come across a passage like this, for example, when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, well, what, is, what does he mean by that? Why do they need to go through purification? Well, if you look at your cross-reference, 
you'll see a number of passages that are highlighted. Leviticus 12, Exodus chapter 13, Numbers as well. Numbers chapter 12, I believe it is, or 18, Numbers 18. These passages shed a lot of light on what's going on in the presentation or the consecration of the firstborn son to the Lord. And Luke records that the time came for their purification. And Mary was the one who was unclean after she had given birth. She was considered ceremonially unclean and had to wait a, a certain amount of days to be purified. For example, we'll turn with me to Leviticus chapter 12. And if you have a, a Bible with cross references, you will find these passages in there. Leviticus chapter 12. And you'll probably see there in your Bible, purification after childbirth. Beginning at verse 1, Leviticus chapter 12, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the people of Israel, saying, If a woman conceives and bears a male child, then she shall be unclean seven days, as at the time of her menstruation she shall be unclean. And on the eighth day the flesh of his foreskin shall be circumcised. Then she shall continue for thirty-three days in the blood of her purifying. And now go to um, verse 6. Verse 6, And when the days of her purification are completed, whether for a son or for a daughter, she shall bring to the priest at the entrance of the tent of meeting a lamb, a year old, for a burnt offering, and a pigeon or a turtle dove for a sin offering. And he shall offer it before the Lord and make atonement for her. Then she shall be clean from the flow of her blood. This is the law for her who bears a child, either male or female. And if she cannot afford a lamb... Listen carefully. If she cannot afford a lamb, then she shall take two turtle doves or two pigeons, one for a burnt offering and the other for a sin offering, and the priest shall make atonement for her, and she shall be clean. God makes provisions for those who are poor among the covenant community. And Mary and Joseph, as I mentioned this morning, Jesus was born in poverty. And in our text of Scripture, Jesus is consecrated as the firstborn child. And Mary and Joseph are purified according to the law of the Lord because they were still under the Mosaic law. Jesus had not finished the work of Calvary. And because he had not gone to the cross yet and had not shed his blood, because it's at the cross of Calvary where all the ceremonial rites, all these things that women had to do to be clean before God was still in place because Christ had not been crucified. He had not put away the law of Moses just yet. In Leviticus 
18, or, yeah, or Numbers 18, we read this, verses 15 and 16. Everything that opens the womb of all flesh, whether man or beast, which they offer to the Lord, shall be yours. Nevertheless, the firstborn of man you shall redeem. And the firstborn of unclean animals you shall redeem. And the redemption price at a month old you shall redeem them. That is, after your purification, you come with a redemption price for your firstborn son. What is that price? You shall fix at five shekels in silver, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, which is 20 geras. It was a pretty substantial amount of money for the redemption of the firstborn son. Again, question, why a redemption price for Jesus, who is perfect and good? But why all this? Why the the price for redemption? Why go through this purification ritual? Why pay the redemption price? Well, God tells us. And if you have a cross-reference Bible, it'll point you to Exodus chapter 13. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 13. This is important because Mary and Joseph knew their Bibles. They knew what God required of them. And they wanted to be obedient to God's call in their lives. Exodus 13, beginning at ver- I'm going to read verses 1 and 2 and then jump to verse 11. The Lord said to Moses, Consecrate to me all the firstborn, whatever is the first to open the womb among the people of Israel, both of man and of beast, is mine. And then verse 11 and following. When the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, as he swore to you and your fathers, and shall give it to you, you shall set apart to the Lord all that first opens the womb. That's what Mary and Joseph are doing. That's what they're doing. All the firstborn of your animals that are males shall be the Lord's. Every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. Or if you will not redeem it, you shall break its neck. Every firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. And now here it is. When in time to come, your son asks you, what does this mean? This is what you're to tell him. You shall say to him, By a strong hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt from the house of slavery. For when Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of animals. Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord all the males that first opened the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. It shall be as a mark on your hand or frontlets between your eyes. For by a strong hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt. This redemption of the firstborn son points to the redemption of Israel when they came out of Egypt. And the very thing that is happening to to Jesus being redeemed, the firstborn son Jesus being redeemed, redeemed in this way is truly pointing to the redemption that he will provide his people in the greater exodus i was told by a mentor of mine 
that if you want to understand the Bible, you have to tear out the page between the end of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New, the page that says New Testament. And the reason why he said that is because if you don't read the Bible in its entire narrative, you're not going to understand passages like this. Mary was ceremonial unclean, and she went through purification rites ordained and prescribed by God. They paid a redemption price for their firstborn son, Jesus, when they presented him to the, to the Lord. A price that symbolized or looked back to the Exodus, but Jesus Christ, in his death on the cross, put an end to ceremonial rites and ceremonies. Because in the shedding of his blood, there shall be no more shedding of blood, no more sacrifices of animals, no more purification rites, outward ceremonial rites. Isn't that what Jesus taught in the Gospels? Isn't that what he was trying to get through the heads of the Pharisees and Sadducees and the scribes who focused on the outward religious ritualism? and neglected the heart of the matter, Jesus came to cleanse the heart. The ceremonial rites of the Old Testament pointed to that greater ceremonial cleansing of the heart, which Jesus Christ, by his redemption, provides for his people. It's a lot of fun when you're cross-referencing and you're seeing these connections God opens your eyes, not just to particular parts of Scripture, but to the whole of it. And you see that grand, great narrative of what God did for your redemption. Because in a very real way, you and I, you and I are the faith of Father Abraham. You and I are part of Israel's history. Serving the true Israelite, Jesus God saved us at a cost. Remember your freedom that came at a cost. The cost of the firstborn son of Mary. The cost of God's one and only son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember your freedom from bondage and slavery to sin in his redemption. In his redemption. If you're taking notes, Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5, I've been referencing this passage often because it's timely, it's important for this time of year when we reflect upon the incarnation. Paul says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And so it is through the firstborn son, Jesus and through his perfect work, that we have now been consecrated to be sons and daughters of God. Inheritors of his kingdom. Just as Jesus the firstborn inherited the kingdom from his father, we too through faith in him have become sons and daughters of God through Christ. 
And we too have become inheritors of the blessed benefits and blessings that come from his hand. Because he is the firstborn son, we have become sons and daughters of God. Adopted into his family. Given his spirit. The spirit of God who has made known to us this truth. The spirit of God who has opened our hearts to receive the Christ, the Savior. The spirit of God who sanctifies and transforms us, consecrates consecrates us to holy service. So we see the importance of the firstborn son being presented to the Lord, his circumcision and naming, his consecration before the Lord. Lastly, the prophetic declarations or utterances concerning this firstborn son. You know, earlier in chapter 2, you had the angels making prophetic utterances, declaring what God is doing and has done. Here we have Simeon and Anna making declarations, prophetic declarations of this firstborn son. This man, Simeon, first of all, was a righteous and devout man. And we see here that he was waiting for the consolation of Israel, waiting for the comfort of Israel, one who would come to comfort, comfort my people. Isaiah chapter 40. And the Holy Spirit revealed to him, was filled, or filled him and revealed to him that he would not taste physical death until he saw the Lord's Christ. And indeed, he saw the Lord's Christ face to face. He saw the salvation of God. He saw in a child a king and Lord. He saw in a child the one who would save his own soul from his sin. And not only his sin, but the sins of all his people. Look with me in your Bible at verses 29 to 32. Simeon took the child, lifted lifted up the child in his arms and blessed God, saying, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. He praises God because God is the one who revealed it to him by the power of the Spirit, the Spirit who filled him. And now he's giving praise to God. He's blessing God because his eyes have seen his salvation. The salvation of God, which will be for all the peoples. The salvation of God, which will be a light of revelation to the nations. The nations that did not know God will know God. And he is for the glory to your people Israel. What does that mean? Glory here has a a revelation of God's truth and nature. Has not Israel known the glory of God throughout their history? God's works throughout history. God revealed his glory in that way. And he reveals to Israel the glory of himself through his son. Think John chapter 1. We have seen the glory of the only begotten son. The glory that comes from the father. They have seen the glory of this savior, this Lord. But the nations, they live in darkness and didn't know God. 
and his word. They did not have the covenant promises, but they will know him. They walk in darkness, but the light will come and shine in their hearts. Friends, this is why the gospel of Jesus Christ needs to be preached. That's why the church is called to preach and proclaim Christ. That's why we as Christians are called to be salt and light. To declare the light of the nations has come. The light of the world has come. Friends, your neighbors are living in darkness. Your co-workers are living in darkness. Your fellow students may be living in darkness. And God has shed his light upon us in our hearts to be his witnesses, the witness to the truth of his word and to declare the glory of God in Christ. And Simeon goes on to to bless Mary and Joseph and he, he turns to Mary, this child, this child will pierce your own soul. This child will pierce your own soul. So that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Jesus is Lord and Savior and he knows our hearts. He knows your heart. He knows your heart infinitely greater than you can know your own hearts. And he opens hearts to receive his word and he exposes hearts for what they really are before a holy God. Simeon makes prophetic declarations of the Lord's salvation in Christ as he saw the child face to face and he was pleased to go home and be with the Lord because he has seen his peace. (laughs) He can depart in peace. But the second prophetic declaration comes from a woman, a prophetess who spoke the word of God. Anna, 84 years old, She didn't depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Simeon was waiting for the consolation or the comfort of Israel. And now Anna is going to prophetically declare that the redemption of Jerusalem has come for those who are waiting for it. The redemption of the great city, the city of the king, Jerusalem. And the firstborn son will purchase the redemption of God's city and restore her fortunes. And he will set the prisoners free, free from bondage of sin and death and hell. He will bring blessing upon her and make her dwell in peace. And friends, Christian, that is you. Because you and I, as believers in Christ have come to the heavenly city, Mount Zion, the heavenly Jerusalem, as the author of Hebrews states. And he has redeemed Jerusalem. We are citizens of his heavenly city. 
his kingdom. And indeed, he came to his own. He came to Israel, and his own received him not. But those who receive him, to those who believe on his name, he gave the right to be called what? Children of God. Children of God. Children because of the firstborn son. Simeon and Anna proclaim that this firstborn son is the true consolation of Israel, is a true redemption of Jerusalem. And through his death and resurrection, circumcision counts for nothing. Ceremonial laws have vanished, have gone away. And now we come to God, not through ceremony, but through, but through Christ and his sacrifice. We enter into God's presence with clean hands and a pure heart because Christ's blood has cleansed us from sin. We come to God and his throne because Christ, who sits at the right hand of the Father, mediates for us. And accepts us and receives us. Oh, does he receive you, Christian? This firstborn son receives you into his presence. Always. And forevermore. Is that not comfort and consolation? Is that not true redemption? To know forgiveness that is full and free. To know forgiveness of sins, since covered as far as the east is from the west, so that God looks upon us in favor through the firstborn Son who fulfilled all righteousness on our behalf, thereby making Him our substitute? Oh, through Christ and faith in Him, we are sons and daughters redeemed by his blood, not shekels and silver, but by his blood. The firstborn son has been presented to the Lord. Has been. The firstborn son in his humanity is at the right hand of the Lord, God the Father Almighty. But according to his divine nature, he is with us always, even to the end of the age. And he will never leave you nor forsake you, Christian, because his peace and comfort abides in you. So draw near to him. Draw near to him in faith. Draw near to him in faith. Faith in Christ alone, to the glory of God alone. Amen. Let's pray. <clears throat> Oh, Father in heaven, we thank you that Jesus has fulfilled all the law and the prophets, making him the perfect mediator, the perfect Savior, the perfect Christ. Indeed, he is our prophet, priest, and king who brings us to you, Father. We have been reconciled to you through the cross, through that great and glorious redemption, through the exodus that Jesus Christ has brought us out of the land of sin and slavery 
and into the promised land, the heavenly Jerusalem, to Mount Zion. O great and glorious God, may we be a people, a people who respond in praise and adoration, a people who have on our lips always, always, the joy of your salvation. For we have not physically seen the Christ, but we believe in him. And you have opened our hearts to believe on his name. But one day, we will see him as he is, face to face. And our bodies will be transformed in the twinkling of an eye. And we will be made like him, the firstborn son, being co-heirs with Christ, the praise of your name. O come, Lord Jesus, come. Amen.